I'd like to welcome you guys to the Hunting Dog Public Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Knight. Here we will discuss competition hunts, pleasure hunts, and anything else dealing with the hunting dog. It is our sole purpose to bring awareness to preserve the sport of hunting with dogs. Without further ado, let's collar our dogs and send them on through the country. Today's word, Matthew 5 and 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew 5, 44. On today's episode of the Hunting Dog Public Podcast, we have Mr. Danny Wilkinson. Mr. Danny has been fooling with these mountain cur dogs for as long as as long as I've been alive, probably. He has owned some top-end dogs. He's been in the game for a long time. I feel like that Mr. Danny come as one of the highly sought-after interviews when talking about these original mountain curs. Mr. Danny still hunts to this day. He, he loves riding his mule and fooling with a good tree dog. He's a pioneer of the sport. Without further ado, let's get this interview started and let's talk with Mr. Danny. Hello. Mr. Danny. Yes, sir. How are you, sir? It's Chris Knight with the Hunting Dog Public. Good. How you doing, man? Man, I'm living the dream. How about yourself? Doing good. I enjoy that podcast with old Mark. Y'all, y'all doing a good job, man. Appreciate what y'all doing. We're just trying to bring awareness to the to the tree dogs and the squirrel dogs and, and really dog hunting in general. I still deer hunt with dogs, so... Um, but anyway, with that being said, I was wondering, uh, I had a lot of requests, you know, people wanting to talk and hear from you and, you know, just talk some of the old dogs and just stuff, you know, whatever, you know, let us, let you tell your story to the world. I mean, we got a pretty good following started and man, we just trying to spread the word. It'd be kind of hard to follow Mark Morrison. Y'all should put him on after me so he can clean up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've known Mark. Uh, I've known Mark a good while, man. Mark is something, boy. He's a good friend. He's a good dude. Uh, he talked good about you for sure. Uh, but no, uh, with that being said, I was just go uh, start it off with you know how you got your start and you know when you got your first dog and all that if you want to. Okay, uh, I, I live in the Denham Springs area for years. All my family is from Mississippi, so I still hunted in Mississippi. And uh, when I was about five or six years old, a friend of the family called me up and wanted me to go squirrel one way. And the dog street, and we went to them, they was up a little small, I'm not gonna say a sapling, but about as big as your thigh. Had a little fork in it and had a hole up in the top of the fork. And he broke that single barrel 410 down and put my foot on the stock of it and lifted me up to that fork. and. Uh, he said, here, here's your saw briar. He said, stick it down that hole and twist it once, twice, and snatch it out of there. And I did, and two big old fox squirrels run out of that thing. And look, I have been hooked ever since. Uh, the little dogs timbered them and retreated them, and he got me down out of that tree and let me shoot them. And that was my first touch of squirrel hunting. And I'm going to tell you what, I have been addicted ever since. Ever since. You've, you've been hooked ever since you, you twisted them tails up. Yes, sir. I was hooked for life. Uh, I've had some, some ups and downs and stuff along the way, but, uh, man, you can't take squirrel hunting from me, that's for sure. That's right. What uh, You've had some of the, the best in the, of the best. Uh, tell us about how, you know, your first dog, uh, I guess your first, when you, you know, your first, I hate to say good dog, but, you know, the one that kind of got you, you started and, you know, where you knew this was going to be it. I got a hold to a little young Kimmer pup, well-bred, a little female, and just a born natural. Uh, four and a half, five months old, tree in her own coon, doing a good job of it. Uh, yeah, like she'd been doing it for years. And uh, same thing on squirrels. And uh, during the time when I had got her going real good, uh, James Menzer's brother, David Menzer, uh, started hunting with me some, and he wanted a little dog, so I wound up giving him that little female, and I had bought a, a mountain cur female out of Arkansas, from Daryl Johnson. Everybody knows Daryl Johnson. He flew with squirrel dogs for years and years. Uh, called Lucky Lady. Lady Lady was a nice female. She nice female day or night. Started going to some hunts, and I wound up in Jamestown, Tennessee with her. And uh, they was having their last hunt at Lake Francis before they built a new clubhouse and stuff and moved to Jamestown. And uh, 
once they got moved into Jamestown, I started going back, and it, those people up there were just like family. It's like home away from home. Uh, got to meet Peanut Beatty and Robert Kimmer and Carl Smith and John Groves. And lady female, like I said, was a pretty nice little dog. I placed her in some hunts, and uh, I grew out with some street bred dogs, and then I knew that was the direction I wanted to go. Uh, some of these guys don't like these street dogs, but if they don't like street dogs, they don't like squirrel dogs is all I can say. That's, that's, you know, that's always been an argument, you know, an, ongo an ongoing thing. You know, you can talk what you want to about streak, what it, you know, this and that, but there ain't many that ain't got streak in him. And if he, if you think that he didn't help the breed, then yeah, you ain't, uh, you've been living under a rock. Yeah. Him and Carl Smith both done a lot for, for the Ridden Mountain Carburetor Association. And, uh, I like a good squirrel dog and I don't care what they are, but the streak is just the direction I wanted to go. And right. uh, I started having good luck with them. Uh, a lot of natural good little pups, and that got me kicked off in the right direction. Uh, I bought a pup from Carl. Got her when she was five weeks old. You could hold her in the palm of your hand. A little bit of time. I named her Streaks Bayou Whitney. And, uh, Whitney was the most natural dog to this day that I still ever fooled with. Um, squirrel and coon. She was just good a coon dog. She was a squirrel dog. And, she's uh, one of those. She, yeah, that's she's another. The Bayou Whitney, she's, uh, she's left her mark for sure, too. Uh, she has. She, she throws some good pups, and some granddaughters and hers throw some good pups, um, and some of her daughters did. But when I got her started, I guess, you know, seven months old when I started hunting her, and uh, I would hunt in the woods until uh, dark, and I'd sit down on a log and let it get dark, and then I'd hunt my way back out with her. And uh, she took coon hunt just like she did squirrels, and uh, she would just tree them all over the woods just like treeing squirrels at nighttime. She was popping coons up left and right. She was uh, dead silent, hunted with her head up, and hunted like a greyhound. I mean, you, you could watch her on the, on the tracker. She'd be this direction in one minute. The next minute, she'd be almost out of here in trees. Most accurate dog I've ever walked behind. And started taking her to the hunts when she was eight months old. And uh, I came to Jamestown, and she lost the cast by, I think, 50-plus points when she was eight months old. And uh, she lost one other cast in her life. And it was a controversial cast over in Arkansas, but she wound up winning seven world championships, and I think that's pretty good just to lose two, two casts in her lifetime. I'd say so. We went on a TSBA hunt. In fact, it was a world hunt over in Missouri, and it was dry, 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 and it was a well-organized hunt, and they had hound guys as the guides, and I grew up with a real nice guy that hunted hounds all his life. And he told me, he said, Danny, he said, if we tree a coon, he said, I've got one spot left up in these mountains that's got a pool of water in it. He said, but I'm going to be honest. He said, I've been hunting five, six nights a week, and I'm just not treeing no coon. He said, man, it's just, it's awfully dry. So, and I grew up with one dog on the cast with a friend of mine, David Mender, that's right after he had bought his Garden Creek Tag dog. No tag was a real nice little coon dog. But it was, it was dry conditions. When we unsnapped those dogs, the dust was so bad, you couldn't see for another two or three minutes from the dust was boiling up. Yeah. Long story short, we looked at nine coons with Whitney that night. We won that world coon hunt with her. Wound up winning a world combination dog up there too with her. Uh, but she was she was she was a nice dog. And I started off with a big tall measuring stick, and uh, <laughs> I hadn't come close back to that measuring stick yet. But I I hadn't give up yet. Nine coons that night, boy. Nine that, coons. that was uh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's stout right there. That's a little bit salty, if you ask me. She, uh, like I said, she was a winding dog, and she was phenomenal at tree and layup coon. And those coons evidently had been laid up around that water hole. And that guy went back to that clubhouse, and there's a lot of people in there standing the room only. And he told them, he said, boys, he said, all these years I've hunted these dogs. He said, I thought I had coon dogs and no coons. He said, but I realized tonight that I've got coons and and no coon dogs. <laughs> Oh, that he, speaks he a lot from an old hound guy, ain't it? That's a lot. That's, yes, that's right. pretty pretty stout there. It was, and uh, that guy had been hunting hounds for years and years, and he just said he had never seen a dog tree lay up coons like that. Nice hunt. We had a good time. Right. <clears throat> but uh, she went on and won an NKC World Championship World Hunt. Uh, she won uh, in Mississippi. They used to have a Sunshine Mills All Invitational World Hunt. She won that two years in a row. Uh, she won Elnor back when there was 106 dogs in the hunt, and uh, she won it. Uh, only got the hunter at the OMCBA World Hunt once, and it wasn't an elimination hunt. She won her cast, 
and I think she wound up fourth place in it, but I never cared about the OMCBA World Hunt. It was always in December, and that's prime hunting for us down here, so we'd always stay down here and squirrel hunt. Right, so you you like the pleasure hunt better than you do the, the, the competition side of things? I always did. Uh, I went to the competition hunts uh, just to let people see my dogs, and, uh, and like I said, I met John Grove and Carl Smith and got pretty close with them and uh, started buying pups more John Grove. He was the original owner of Smith Street Jr. and, and Georgetta. Right. He was a, uh, a breeder of Black Angus cattle and he pretty much knew how to breed those dogs and he was very, very successful. Uh, he, he had several good females that produced top-notch pups and uh, I got to hunting some pups that I got from John and getting them started good and selling some and John was good to me and he pretty much let me get whatever pup I wanted and I was able to get a cup out of Georgetta before she uh, wasn't able to have pups anymore and uh, that would have been the Buckshot Willie Dog and Red Oak Rusty that, uh, that I done real good with and going up to Illinois I got to hunt with some of the dogs or a lot of the dogs out of that cross uh, Sar Sport and Jordan uh, Creek Tag, Rocky Ridge Yankee and uh, just several of them out of that and uh it was some nice, nice dogs come out of that cross. Yeah, Mark had talked about, he named us a, a few of them today also. Yes, sir. Uh, we all got together up there and took a picture. Uh, all Thunder was there, uh, Buckshot Willie, Red Oak Rusty, Sport. And there were several more. I don't remember exactly right offhand, but it's, I think it's about 11 of them up there. And we all took a picture with Mr. John Grove up there with all of our dogs. And uh, it's kind of a special day. And... Uh, that was the cross of the 90. They, they, it was several, several top dogs come out of that cross, and there's still a lot of good dogs going back to that cross. That's the one that's on the clubhouse wall, correct? Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hmm, good deal. That's, uh, you named a lot of dogs that it, it don't make a darn. If you look at in, in pedigrees right now, you go here, most of or over half of them dogs you just named right there in pedigree that far back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I was a, a big follower of that, of that cross, and uh, John and I had become friends, and when, when John passed away, his wife called me, and she said, Danny, John wants you to own these dogs. Come up here and get what you want. So I drove up, and uh, you got I brought home Jeff, I brought home Street Jr. and Georgetta, and he had a real good producing female called Star, Tinkerbell, Black Diamond, and... Uh, he put me in, in the breeding business. Right, so he told you or he told her that, you know, hey, I want Mr. Danny to have these dogs because he'll carry Because you will. I mean, he knew what you was going to do. You know, you were going to continue to breed them. You probably learned all you could from him about the way he was breeding these dogs. And, you know, he figured you'd, you'd carry that on. Right. And uh, I want to say this, too, that uh, when Street Jr. and Georgetta went into the Hall of Fame, they were in my name, but that was all John Grove's work, and I, I still want to give him credit for that. A Absolutely, lot of think, Mr. John Grove is—he uh, was uh, the pioneer, wasn't he? He was a pioneer for sure of this. He was, and, and he kind of put his breeding program like he did his Black Angus cattle, and he knew what he was doing. And he opened a lot of doors for me, but I want to give him the credit for that—that that Street Junior and then Georgia Cross and. Those other good females that I got from him that, that really produced well. And uh, he, he put me in a breeding business that I really wasn't prepared for. But I'm going to tell you what, I bred OGR a lot. Uh, it, the first couple of months I had him there, look, I couldn't even hardly hunt. It was people driving up and bringing two and three females at a time. Mountain curs, uh, fast, black mouth curs. He he got bloodlines going through a lot of these different beasts. That's right. What did what's how big a dog was he? He looked like a just a sharp, big, nice looking joker. He wasn't that big of a dog. He was probably forty two pounds. During his older years he got when right. he got old he got real heavy, you know. And people always wanted to know if GR was was trained. GR was a trained coon dog. Mr. John didn't squirrel hunt, but he did coon hunt. And I don't know how much he hunted. I call him GR. A lot of people call him Junior. I don't know how much he hunted him, but I'm going to tell you what, that rascal knew how to get under a coon. I went up there one time to, to hunt with John and to pick up some pups, and he kept them out on the farm, and old GR was gone. And he didn't panic. He said, oh, we'll ride around finding trees somewhere. And we did. We found him treed on a fence roll, and had no telling how long the old dog had been treed there. But when I brought him down to Louisiana, I, I coon hunted him a little bit, just 
you don't see what he really was for the coon dog, and he, he was a pretty nice coon dog. But to me, he was more important than the breeding pen, and especially at the age he was by the time I got him. I would have had him over probably six or seven by the time I got him. Did you squirrel hunt so, him when you got him down here? I never squirrel hunted him. Bobby dog. Never did. But I retired him from hunting and just let him live the glory days with his females. That's right. Yes. And uh, I bred him back to some daughters of his that was real successful crosses. And I took daughters and sons of his that was real successful crosses. Uh, when I went up there and got him, I also got three daughters of G.R. and George. And uh, I bred some of them back to a full brother, little buckshot Willie. Really, really good crosses. Didn't have any problems with them. They were all just head full of sense. Nice looking cur dogs you ever seen and just natural starting pups. And uh, a lot of people in Louisiana didn't have that streak blood down here then. And uh, like I said, it opened new doors for me and I pretty much started off with a breeding program. That's right. And that's what, uh, so is that after you got him, is that how you and Mr. Carl, did y'all, did y'all become buddies? Was you breeding any females of his to Junior or I, JR? No, Carl, Carl, he. He wanted to breed the hit dogs, uh, but I bred some of my females hit dogs. I bred the Indian River Jake, and I bred the Mountain Jackson. Never did get to breed those three, but I got some pups off of them, females off of them. That was mighty nice dogs. Right. Uh, but Carl, Carl, pretty much, he promoted hit male dogs, and that's what he wanted to breed. To. Right. That's right. Yep. You know, I tried to, me and Cody both, my partner on this deal, we tried to get Mr. Carl to come on, and he just... I think technology, and <laughs> he didn't want to, uh, he says he's, he'd just rather not. So, but anyway, I wanted to hear his story about the, you know, how his he got his start and stuff. But it is what it is. Somebody will tell that story one day. And like I said, we oh, appreciate yeah. Mr. Call for all he's done for sure. Exactly. Call, call it. It really, truly been a blessing to the OMCBA and, and the street cast too. Call, a lot of people don't know it. Call was real big into fighting chicken and he he was good at it he he raised some some top fighting chicken and he had people from all over the the world coming to buy those chicken they, they were flying in on jets and stuff buying those chicken and he also was a top breeder of uh of uh walking horses and mule and same thing with that calls won some world championships in the walking horses and the, and the walking mule Shoot. and uh, so he he called you how to breed those dogs Call, called up to date on that stuff. You, you can believe that. Uh, well, you know, and that's the I tell everybody that I talk to, you know, I raised bucking bulls for years before I got, well, I, I had them at the same time. But, you know, my favorite cross when I was raising bucking bulls was half brother to half sister. They just worked, you know. It, you know, right. out of the stuff that I was breeding and bucking, you know, the half brother to the half sister cross, they, they they made buckers, man. They just, they was always going to be right there in the gate, turning back, you know, kicked out the lights. It just, it just worked. So, I mean, I just figured that, you know, I look at the, this dog breeding kind of like that, you know. I mean, it worked for them. Why wouldn't it work? Why wouldn't half brother, half sister crosses working, you know, if they were nice dogs? I don't know. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people get on a computer and they'll ask that question and, and, and a lot of folks will jump up and say, oh, it don't work, don't do that, and it, you know, and never tried it. And I'll be the first to say, you got to start off with the right male and right female. You know, you can't breed junk to junk and expect a miracle, you know. But if you got a little little male dog that you like and, and a little female, and they, and they bred right, and I tell you what, don't 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 hold back from, from trying it. So Peanut Bait and Robert Kimmer told me early in the game. I called him. I, I, I didn't know nothing about breeding these dogs. Uh, Carl was kind of reserved and wouldn't say a whole lot about breeding them, but, but Robert Kimmer and, and Peanut Bait he sure helped me a lot. And they both told me, they said, Danny, if you like what you've got and you want to keep it, you got to line breed them and inbreed them. Yep. And they said about every fourth generation, you might have to outcross. I kept line breeding these dogs for years and years and never had any problems. But every time I outcross, and I was trying to be careful what I outcrossed to, but when I did outcross, they, they, they'd come back to bite me. And uh, so what I wound up having to do was just keep line breeding on these street bred dogs. And I like them crossed on, on some of the dust bob blood and some of the kimmer blood. I still like some of the kimmer blood. But I was able to keep them like that for years, and uh, it got to the point where I stayed book solid for three years in advance and thankfully i had some good friends and good customers and 
they told me, said, Danny, we don't mind waiting, but we won't. We want to put with your your name on the paper. They said, you know, you got your bloodline and you carried on with John Groves' bloodline, and that's what we want. And uh, they would. They would stay booked for three years until they got their pups and stuff. One thing I always wanted to do was drive up to Jamestown with a nice litter of pups to sell. And thankfully, I was never able to do that. All my <laughs> pups were booked and sold before, most time before the females were bred. That's right. You wanted to do it. You had good intentions. They just didn't work out that way. And that's right. If I if I brought a pup to Jamestown, it was to drop off to somebody, and uh, I sure always wanted to bring a nice litter up there. I understand that. You talking about this breed and you know the the whole outcross deal. You know I've always heard that about outcrosses, but like just say take for instance I'm hunt, I, you know I got a you know what I call a nice male dog uh, that uh, he's OMCBA, and I have a female that I like as good as any any dog that I've ever turn loose and she is not omcba she's got some omcba but she's some hound some bird dog and and cur and i mean she just works like i want one to work she you can hunt her all day she's just very 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 accurate but you know i just you know i and i i think you know crap you know do i what's gonna come out of those puppies and like you said you'll never know unless you try it that's right and that's what i was gonna say too is uh when you breed her, whatever you decide to breed her to, you keep your puff out of it and you start a family. If, if you like that female like you say and you do, you start a family with her. You, you, you won't go wrong, I promise you. That's what, exactly what, what what my intentions are. And again, like I said, she's going to be, she's only, she just turned three years old and I like her just as much as I've ever turned loose one. I'm just being honest. She's just, she's a good, easy going dog and likes to treat squirrels. She may not suit everybody, but sure suits me. Well, that's good and that's all she has to suit and uh, uh she can she can sure keep you in the business if, if you breed her right and you know keep the right pups out of her that's right so going on forward on you know after you you got in your mm-hmm. breeding program what uh tell us about what you you know what, what's your favorite dog that you probably that you raised and you know you crossed and made the cross and you know what's your favorite dog probably it would probably be a daughter off of whitney I bred her to Jordan Creek Tag, and uh, it was Hardwood Dixie. And uh, Dixie was just like her mama. She's been the closest thing that I've hunted to her mama. Uh, natural born day or night, didn't make no difference. She's only lost one cast in her life, and that was to her mama. They they were the only two dogs in the hunt that went all three go rounds, and, and my son was, was hunting Dixie. <laughs> so we got into the finals together, and... Uh, they come down to the last tree. Uh, they were split treed. Uh, Whitney made a tree with a vine on it going into a nest. And Dixie made a tree with a nest, but no vine. And we shook Whitney's vine and, and seen the squirrel, and, and she beat her daughter by one squirrel. Oh, be dang. She, she was a real deal. No matter where you hauled her, condition, water, hills, it didn't make any difference. She was, she was ready day or night. And then she went on to produce, breeding her to Cars Creek Cars. You know, she bred uh, Pure Country Scout. Uh, she bred the Hardwood Dagger Dog. Uh, won the World Hunting Scout. Won Dog of the Year. And several, several more dogs that, that I would say were close to equal to those dogs that just didn't get competition. Uh, so I'd say it was, it was Hardwood Dixie. Uh, really? Uh, I, I won uh, the uh, coon hunt with her at Jamestown. Uh, won second in the squirrel hunt. Won the first ever competition dog. Uh, combination dog at... Uh, Jamestown. Uh, just a real pleasure to hunt. And uh, I retired her young. I probably retired her five years old, maybe six. Hmm. And uh, Randy Gary wanted to hunt with her one time and wanted to film a video of her. And, uh, and I told him, I said, Randy, she hadn't been out of pen in two years, you know. And we brought her to the uh, some private land in the Delta. And she just put on a natural born clinic. And Randy Gary, he was he all be calling me a liar about her being in the PM two years. And I said, no, Randy, I promise you. I said, you know, I've been hunting young dogs. She's been in the PM two years. That's so something. she was a nice dog. And that was, that was a testament to, uh, to uh, Whitney and Carl's Creek Dogs. Right. What did you, so I heard you mention Scout. I remember, so did you have him, did you sell him to Eric? Or how did I that? sold him. uh to a guy up in Arkansas. Cause I hunt with Eric. He's Eric has gotten back into it, and we, you know, we yeah. we do some competition together. And anyway, I'd I'd always heard of Pure Country Scout, but you know, I just you know, I just kind of wanted to know yeah. the story with him. 
I raised him as a pup, and uh, he actually went to the guy at the time that owned Cars Creek God, and that was uh, Casey Schwartz. And uh, I think I just talked Casey back out of him when he was a yearling pup. And I had two or three real nice male dogs over there, and I said, shoot, I got this little dog, and I'm not going to be able to do him justice. So I sold him to a friend of mine in Arkansas. And he flew around and sold the dog to, to somebody in Mississippi, and then Eric bought the dog from, from him. And uh, it, it, that was a good landing for Old Scout, too. Uh, Eric was fired up and, and, and really wanted to push the dog, and that's just what Scout needed, and, and Eric done a fine job with him, too. Right. He will hunt one, and he'll... Eric will go to a hunt. He don't make a darn worse at it. He don't mind to drive to one, for sure. He will. And uh, during that time, uh, old Dagger come up. Uh, he was out of the second cross of uh, Dixie and Park Creek Dogs, and I had him as a pup. That's a hardwood dagger good. dog. Hardwood yeah, dagger. Hardwood dagger dog. Yes, sir. And uh, got him to going good and flew around and Brent Wood was looking for a dog, and Mark Marson had called me, and he said, look, old Brent's looking for a dog, and he's he going to pay you right if you sell him, you know, and he'll do the old dog right and all that. So I talked with Brent, and I told him the year before, I told him, I said, look, old Dagger can win that world hunt, and I want to make sure he had the opportunity to win it. And he, he promised me that he would, you know, he would, he would get the dog ready and stuff, and uh, he did. I think he had Dwayne Holland hunting the dog for a while. And come time for that, at World Hunt, James Mender went with me, and he was actually supposed to be hunting an, an older brother to Dagger, a litter mate to Scout, uh, old Thunderdog, Hardwood Thunder. Gotcha. Uh, he was from up in Arkansas. Well, the guy couldn't make it, so James was stuck with no dog to handle. I said, shoot, hunt old Dagger, you know? And he said, man, I don't even know Dagger's voice no more. And I said, well, you'll hear him when he comes fired up on that wood. You'll know his him. And I went along with it to every cast with James. Uh, James was the actual handler on paper, but I wanted to make sure that old Dagger had the right shot and make sure James was calling him right and stuff, and, and he did. James done a fine job, and he was high-scoring dog of every cast, and one of those casts, man, it was like 35-mile-an-hour wind the whole time, and it just treetops were rocking. And I think we still looked at three or four dogs in Jamestown with, with Dagger and at high winds like that. And finally, uh, the final cast was Saturday afternoon, and it cleared, and it was uh, a two-dog cast. And uh, a dagger come out on top. Well, let me let me back up. It was dead even tie. And it got dark, dead even tie. And they wound up flipping the coin, and Jane won the coin toss. A lot of people got upset about that. But, hey, you know, you put yourself in those shoes, and you 10 hours away from home. And the back then, they didn't hunt Sunday mornings. So they really didn't have a choice. So they flipped the coin, and old dagger won it. That's the only hunt he'd ever been put in. And... I told Brent, I said, hey, he started off as a world champion. You might as well retire him as a world champion. Ain't no doubt about it. Was in one hunt and a world hunt, and he won it. <laughs> right. So we wound up. Uh, we got Whitney and Hardwood Dixie both in the Hall of Fame. So we got four dogs up in the Hall of Fame. All time went on down here, and, uh, man, they got to cut this timber down here and stuff, and I'd been coon hunting all my life from a child. James Mender, I used to work for his daddy. Worked for him on a job, and I broke coats for him after work and coon hunted dogs for him i'd go up to him on thursday afternoon and he'd say where are you going this weekend he had hounds and i'd tell him i'm going to florida this weekend he'd pull out that wallet and go flipping them hundred dollar bills at me <laughs> and uh a hundred dollars for him for about three or four years done real good won some good hunts and uh that's how i got james and david Mender both to, to hunt with me so you coon dogs. hunted for for james and david's daddy like, you, yes, sir. you competition coon hunted, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I had my own hounds, too, old hmm, uh, I used, Yeah, I used to be a hound head, and uh, <laughs> I loved him, still do. But, man, I'm like Mark said in that uh, cast earlier this morning. He said, uh, look, I like them solid dogs go get under a coon. And they uh, can do it. I like to go train me four or five coons and get back to the camp so I can be able to get up next morning to squirrel hunt. Well, let's talk about that. What, uh... Do you do you have a camp in the Delta, the Mississippi Delta, or are you just... A friend of mine has a camp up there, Steve Bordelon. We've been hunting together for years. We met through these squirrel dogs. Right. Uh, he's from the he's from the Lafayette, Opelousas area in, in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Wonderful guy. Uh, uh, top friend, and uh, just can't say enough about Steve Bordelon. But uh, hey, I stay with him and his camp up there. Uh, we in 10 Mile. Oh and, yeah, uh, Bobby Clark's up there. I went and stayed up there. Uh, I'm doing. Matter of fact, you'll if you're up there, you ought to ride over some this year. Uh, 
I had a couple NSD hunts there last year, and we're going to do, man, I'm going to have a USDC hunt there this year. I have a couple NSDs, and Justin Guy, uh, a buddy of mine, and we partnered on I some dogs. Yep, we partners on some dogs. We, uh, we got, uh, he's going to do, he's going to try to do, uh, help out, get this fast thing going with NSD, and uh, I'm going to help, you know, judge and and guide if somebody wants me to hunt a dog i'm gonna hunt i'll hunt their dog for them in that little feist hunt just because you know i'm again this is that's what this whole podcast is to do is to grow the sport that we love and these tree dogs and you know i don't care what it is i you know i have my preference but if you need me to hunt a feist or a hound or whatever and i know you know and i you know i'll do it i love the i love tree dogs uh of any color i'll just be honest yep me too. In fact, I've got two fives in my kennel right now, and I, I'm not ashamed of them, you know. Uh, one of them is off the, the Dexter dog, and one of them is off the diesel. Hey, I'll tell you uh, that. You, you mentioned that. Me and Justin's got a, a Dexter puppy together that uh, I bought from a good friend of mine, Mr. Larry Wagner. You're probably familiar with him. Uh, been knowing Larry for years. He's a, he's from my hometown, Morton there. So uh, my father, yeah, my father-in-law, my he knows my whole family, and anyway but mr mr larry called me one day he said what you know about this dexter feist i said well i know he you could breed him to anything and he'll throw squirrel dogs and he's like well i got a couple of them he said i sure wish you take one of these so i went and got one of them and uh justin he 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 was like man you ought to let me get that thing and i was like well i don't want to sell the stupid thing i said i tell you what i said i give you half of him you take and get him going and stuff and you believe that sap sucker he cut him out in the woods there at his house and he just like a natural man just went in there and i mean he is the squirreliest thing you know starting a tree and it's, it beats all i ever seen but uh yeah he uh i like the fire out of those little old dogs that might be the next mystery too. Uh, he's producing with a lot of females. He really is, and he produces squirrel dogs. They they not just going out there tree and foil. He produces squirrel dogs. Uh, you right about yeah, going that. Going back to the going back to the to the camp up there to Delta. Uh, we the last one on the on the ten mile bay right there at the ten mile lodge. And, okay. Uh, everybody's always welcome. Uh, usually got an extra mule up there and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll be dang. I see them tied out out there. Uh, I, yeah. It's all coming to me. Mr. Bobby Clark and Ronnie Thompson and Jonathan White right. and all of them. They, I forgot all about that. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 I remember you being up there and now seeing them. You, you uh, so you know a buddy of mine. Matter of fact, I want to say that uh, one of my bestest friends in this in this stuff is uh, he's a. I, his name's Ernie Craft. He lives up there. He went hunting with you on a mule. Didn't he ride one of your mules or something one time? He did. He oh, did. He's a something, we man. Had, Ernie is something, boy. He's a good friend of mine. I like that, man. I he, love that man to death. He is. I enjoyed it with old Ernie. He and I talked on the phone for years. And, and right. Finally got together up there and made a hunt. I think it was last year, year before last. Right. And look, I want to tell everybody that's listening, Ernie can get on a mule. He just can't get off of a mule. <laughs> <laughs> hey he's a good son of a good man that has been he's one of my better friends i'm just telling you he'll do anything i ask him and again he's he knows them that delta that's where he's from up there he knows all the woods and where the squirrels are too right uh we had a good hunt uh he brought us to a place that's probably been hunted a lot but we we killed a couple squirrels and messed up and uh i noticed he never would get off that mute and uh he was he was on a really good mute and you can shoot off of the stuff but he never got off and we got to the truck and, and got ready to, to load the mules and dogs stuff up and I heard a cool and I looked up and Ernie laying on his back on the ground over and I said, Ernie, what are you doing? He said, Oh, I I failed getting off. No <laughs> <laughs> mule just stood there and looked at him. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to talk to him about that. I can't wait for him to listen to this podcast. That's gonna be funny. I hadn't told anybody about it, but I couldn't wait for the day to tell it. Hey, look, just so you know, we got over 11,000 listeners on this thing already, so it'll be well, I hope it's well more than that by the time it comes out, but I cannot wait to, for folks to hear this. Yeah, um, but yeah, we, we got a camp right there on, on 10 Mile, and I hunt by myself probably 95% of the time and, and really don't have a problem with that. But uh, anybody's welcome to come hunt with me anytime they want, you know. Uh, I hunt off mules because I'm, I'm diabetic. And if I wear a rubber boot for a couple of days hunting, my feet start cracking open. and mm. uh, So it's easier for me to just hunt off mules. And 
I've been doing it on and off all my life. Uh, we started off coon hunting on mules. When I was just a teenager, and uh, I've got three really good mules there at the house, and uh, boy, they part of the team. Uh, they enjoy squirrel hunting just as much as the dogs do. I'll be dang. Boy, when them dogs get treated, them mules ears light up, boy. That's right. I got a buddy that I comp that uh, he's a good friend of mine also, old Miles Miller. You know him. He's from down your way. Or I or you right. know, a meat or a mite, whatever, however, how they say it up there. But uh, he uh, right. he, he was telling me, you know, he's got a mule now that he enjoys hunting off of. Yeah, yeah, Miles, uh, Miles is enjoying himself. He really is. Um, I talked to Mark Morrison after I listened to the podcast, and, and I told him, I said, Mark, we need to get together and make a hunt. But I told him, I said, you either go have to walk or ride a mule. And uh, he said, I'll choose option one. So he wants to ride a mule with me. <laughs> <laughs> But, I need to get uh, in on to, that. I'd like to see old Mark on a mule. Yeah, that's going to be a sight. I'm going to make sure and video it, too. It ain't but, uh, no doubt about it. I want to tell a little story, and I don't want to get too far away, but uh, you know, I told you I hunt a lot by myself. and uh, I was hunting in the Delta year before last, and, uh, man, it was one of them cold, cold mornings, and I was hunting a little female I got from Paul Bean, and that's a little dotty female that David Fletcher and them are pushing in the money hunts right now. Uh, Really nice little female. Right. Dottie, I've seen her. Yeah. And uh, I'd been training squirrels and killing squirrels to her all morning by myself. And it got up about 11 o'clock in the day, but it was still cold. It wasn't about 32 degrees still. And I thought she had creeped across a, a slough, and I knew it was deep because I'd crossed it before. Well, I crossed it on my mule, and when I got across, I, I realized that she wasn't on that side. So I had to cross it back. I crossed it back, and I said, shoot, the quickest way for me to get out is Cross that slough the third time. I can catch a road over and get to the truck. I was about two miles from the truck. And uh, I caught her off the tree and I put a leash on her. And I don't ever tie a dog to a mule. I was holding a leash in my hand. And I guess me crossing that slough twice, that bank on the other side, it got real slick. And that mule started up that bank and she fell and rolled backwards upside down in that slough on top of the dog leash. And mule couldn't get her footing. And mm. thankfully she didn't, she didn't panic. Uh, she she just pretty much laid there, head underwater, blowing bubbles, dog tangled up, and I was in a bind. And that water was cold. Oh, that water was cold. No phone. Didn't have no signal anyway, but the phone was in the saddlebag, and it was underwater. I finally was able to get old Dottie out from under that mule, and I throwed her up on the bank on the other side. And uh, I guess she was in shock because she just kind of stood there. And I was holding this mule's head up out of the water. And I'm going to tell you what, a mule's head is heavy. And I'd hold it as long as I could, and, and I'd drop it, and she'd go to blowing bubbles. And really good mule. And I'm talking about this, this first class, four hunting coon up mule. And I said, Lord, I'm in a bind. I said, I'm fixing to lose this mule. So I had reached down underwater. I couldn't hold her head up anymore, and there wasn't no limb to tie her head up to. So I reached down underwater and started trying to take my saddle loose. And uh, I guess that mule had one more lunge in her, and she was able to get her feet up under her and come up out of that slough, and, but she crossed and went back to the opposite side where I needed her to go to. And she just stood there, and uh, I went over and checked her out, and she was okay, and I got back in the saddle, and I said, oh, girl, we got to cross that thing one more time. Thankfully, we made it to cross that time, but that just goes to show you, you know, you got those woods having a good time and stuff. Anything can happen. Man, you was and, blessed uh, right there, brother, because uh, God was definitely with you. I tell you, the I'm an advocate. And it's funny that you mention that. Well, it's, I'm an advocate for, you know, for God because he's done so much in my life. You know, I wasn't always the best Christian for sure. I had, shoot, brother, I used to drink and I was an alcoholic and this and that, like to lost my family. But, you know, I give all my glory to God that I'm able to do all this stuff that I'm able to do now. And I'm just going to be honest with you, brother. It sounds to me like he was with you that day. He was, and like I said, it's funny that you mentioned that because I do want to give God the glory. I was standing there holding that mule's head up out of that water and had a big old lump in my throat. And I give out. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I give out. That was just me, you know? And I said, God, help me. I said it out loud. And it wasn't five seconds later that mule was able to get her foot and get back up on her feet and come up out of that sloop. So, like you said, I want to give all the glory to God because he was definitely there with me that day. He is something, boy. He he a show. He finds a way to humble us and and get us back down to earth and like yep see this was this could have been bad but you know you're a, you asked me for help and i showed you yes sir exactly and uh i'll, I'll always tell that story because uh without him that day i'd have lost that mule i don't know how to get that saddle and shotgun and all that out from under you know that's right but uh 
and we all lived and was okay and able to do it again the next day. Hey, amen. I'm glad you uh, you come out on top on that deal for sure. Yeah, sir. And he, he, he truly blessed me through, through my hunting career because I've lived a pretty good life and hunted like I wanted to hunt and traveled all over the country. And back when I was competition hunting, man, I was gone every weekend. You know, I might be in Oklahoma one weekend and, you know, up in uh, Illinois the next. And it was that way for a long time. And I wore out probably four pickup trucks on chasing these competition dogs. And, uh, he, he, he'd been good to me. He really had. And I, I was able to meet a lot of a lot of good people, uh, Hall of Fame football players, uh, a lot of politicians, uh, billionaires. Uh, I actually hunted last year with a billionaire that flew in from Rhode Island and brought his whole, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it, his whole staff that, that tells him how to inv investment firm. Really? He flew, flew them all down here to hunt. And uh, and during February, I always, February is, is paid hunting for me. I, I go to some of these big resorts and stuff and been doing it for about 15 years now and actually get paid to, to do what i enjoy doing oh be dang but uh he flew his investment firm down here and we hunted and uh they showed up to hunt and they had all little shorts like coaches shorts and tennis shirts and tennis shoes and we was over on giles island and when they stepped out of the pickup truck i kind of looked at them i said lord what's this gonna be like yeah <laughs> and I know uh, a little flip, <laughs> and this was in October. I hunt a little flip, and I turned him loose, and he got in about 300 yards. He got treed, and they turned around and looked at me, and they said, well, how far do we have to walk? I said, to that dog. And they said, well, how far is he? And I said, he's 300 yards. Well, we was walking through Sawbriar and stuff. <laughs> long story short, <laughs> we hunted till dark, and they were supposed to hunt the next day, too. And uh, he come up to me and he said, look, I'm going to pay you for tomorrow, too. He said, but uh, we're not going to hunt tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wore them out. That's but, some good uh, hunting Giles there Island. at Giles Island. Yeah, I had Justin. He, yeah. Matter of fact, you, he got to go with y'all this past year. I was, I've been trying to get in there with my, my buddy, me and Brandon Lowry. We hunt a good bit together. He's from up here around me. And I told him, right. I was like, dang, son, you got to help me out, get me in on one of them good. I love to let my, I, I don't like, I don't shoot a lot of squirrels. But I love to mm -hmm. tree them. Well, you know, Giles Island sold last year. So that's uh, another, I was going to mention that. So uh, I sell pumps for this company out of Warrior, Alabama called Hydra Service Incorporated. Uh, we sell right. these water, white water, white water and wastewater municipalities, these cities and stuff like this, these flood pumps. And, and uh, so that's what I do full time. And I, I'm very fortunate. I work for a company that's, yeah, I just got a good job. I'll just be honest. They pay me well and, and, and enjoy. Uh, they, they just kind of let me do what I do as long as my number's there. But anyway, with that being said, our purchasing um, director here at Hydra Service, her name is Shelly. Well, her son-in-law is Michael Ward, who Michael Ward yep. is a big-time coon hunter, and he hunts for right. Ike Rainey. So I... Right have actually been in contact with him with michael you know and said hey you know if y'all if they still do that i'd like a shot at going you know if y'all still let them do it or whatever i'd still like to uh i'd like to get in on some of that you know i don't want to kill none i just like to some dog work and you know just shooting right. the junk with him you know he says you know maybe he can make it happen or whoever's over it you know it still may be the same guys that you know that's over it so anyway right. i just I, I thought that was kind of you know, I knew you was a big time deal over at Giles Island. I knew Mark had went and uh, Mr. Larry Wagner had been, and uh, I always right. wanted to go. Stephen Dale, who hunts with me, Stephen Brabham, me and him hunt a good bit together of uh, competitions, and um, I knew he had gotten to go. So, but anyway, yeah, no, I just thought that was kind of funny that I ended up knowing Ike's uh, one of his hunters. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, backing up a little bit, the uh, the being there that flew down from Rhode Island to hunt. Uh, they cooked him a big pot of gumbo on Giles Island, and he'd never had it before. And when he got on that jet to fly back, they sent us a picture of him. They strapped that rest of that gumbo in a pot and strapped it in a seat on it by itself on that jet <laughs> and flew back to Rhode Island with, <laughs> with a with a with a pot of gumbo in his in his private yes, jet. Yes, sir. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mr. Ike bought Giles Island, and Jimmy Riley that, that ran Giles Island all these years. Uh, he and I become friends and uh, hunted with him for years, and they've treated me, man, top notch over there. I mean, they 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 really good to me, and 
Yeah. They tell me it's a nice, nice place to just a A1, you know, economy. I mean, uh, accommodations. It's just, it's not like no other. It, it is. And uh, the first time we had a squirrel hunt over at Jimmy Riley, was, he was sick. He said, man, he's bringing these dogs over here, going to upset these deer. And, you know, he wasn't part at all. But after the second or third year that we've done it, man, Jimmy Riley has as much fun as anybody. Uh, he actually went on a hunt with me this year with Mr. Rainey, Ike Rainey, and they both had 22 rifles and got into a killing contest over there, and I, I really enjoyed myself. We, we had a big time. They tell and, me Ike is, is, Mr. Rainey is just as nice of a fella as you'll ever meet in your life, too. He is. He really is. Uh, I hunted with him and Jimmy, and then uh, I hunted with, with his wife one day and some of her lady friends. And uh, we all just had a big time, and now I'm just like family with them. When they go to the island, they'll call me and tell me and my wife to come over and eat with them. And, you know, and she sends me messages on Facebook. She's looking forward to this year. And uh, a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, I posted a picture of one of my females on sitting in the saddle on a mule, and she texted me, I want to know if that was Flip. I said, no, that was Flip's mama. I said, but Flip's ready when you are. <laughs> I'll be dang. That's good that you yeah, got but her. they are. They 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 just just like family they good they people down to earth people yes that's, that's that's exactly what it you know that's what it takes you know good people yeah. to, you know you could have these you know i hate to say you know again i keep throwing up this whole why we're doing this podcast but you know there are a lot of people out there that despise us hunting with dogs and you know with that being said you know that's why we're out here doing this to kind of you know let everybody know hey there are these dogs, you know, you're just like me. If you got a dog that's go run deer, well, you're not gonna have that dog long, or I'm not. That's right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not gonna have a dog that's running deer if I'm not running deer for dog. You know what I mean? It's just right. if, I, if you let me come squirrel hunt your property and my dog runs a deer, I got a, I got a, I got a button on my, on my. Sorry, I don't know what happened. No, you good, you good. Uh, but no. Yeah, what I was saying was, you know, there's a button on our handheld that we can we can stop them dogs from running deer. We can we can turn them around. We can get them back. We know where they at at all times, and it's just a lot of times people, you know, they think that our dog, you know, or just run them out of the country, and that's not the case. So, but uh, anyway, on from that. So tell us about, you know, I enjoy these doggone old older stories about, you know, the the lines of dogs. So after you got, you know. J.R. and Whitney, uh, Dagger, Scout. Who uh, who was next? Was it the Flip Dog? Oh well, back it up a little bit. I had the Ohio Bobby female. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about Ohio Bobby. The coon hunter Rick Stretch uh, up in mm-hmm. Illinois. Mm-hmm. Rick Stretch. He and his, his daddy and I were real good friends. Right. And Bud Stretch, and I used to go up every year and stay for a week with Bud and, and squirrel hunt. And I went up there one year, and he had this little uh, busher-bred female, nice-looking little female, and I think she was about seven months old and maybe eight months old. Boy, and she was just cracker-jack fired up on squirrels. So I got to ask him about it, and I said, well, who's that little female there? And he said, oh, she come from Harry Duff, you know, and she's one of them Duff Bob dogs. I said, what's her name? He said, she don't have a name. I got to working on him right then. I said, I, I really need to bring that female home with me. And he said, oh, you don't want that. He said, she's barely started. Now, Bud don't ever tell the, the whole story on one. He'll tell you, oh, it's barely treeing, and you can take that thing out and kill a whole sack of squirrels with it, you know? So right. I, wound up buying, I wound up buying her from, from Bud, and I said, I'm going to name her Bobby. And old, old Harry Duff was from Ohio, so I named her Ohio Bobby. Illinois hunt was that week while I was up there with Bud, so we rode over, and I said, Bud, I'd like to hunt her in that hunt. And he said, hey, you wasting your money, but if you want to hunt her, go ahead and hunt her, you know. Well, I had my cast one up at Illinois with her, with eight months old, down to the last two minutes, and uh, she had started chewing trees a little bit, and she treated a squirrel, and I treated her, and uh, she shut up, and I told him just go ahead and minus her. I said, you know, I said, she's just a pup. I said, uh, but I enjoyed myself with her, you know, and, they said, well, hold it. And I said, she's only eight months old. And uh, they said, well, I tell you what, we thought we was hunting against a four or five-year-old dog. Uh, really? But she leave the tree. She would actually stand at the tree chewing. Uh, right, so, so the two would have got her. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought had them to minor search. But anyway, it cost her the cat. But I brought her home, and I say finished her out and uh, made a top little dog. And uh, 
uh, Jane's mentor wanted her, so I sold her to James, and, and James done really, really well with her. Uh, he singled her out and really put the hunting to her, you know. Uh, but yeah, I eventually wound up with uh, with the old dog Flip, and uh, he was bred like a I like him to be bred. You know, he was streaking Kimmer, and uh, man, that thing was a meat machine. Uh, day or night, uh, he he was everything I looked for in, in a squirrel dog. Uh, he was like old Whitney. He was he was a layup dog. He was one of your uh, your favorites, uh, I guess, huh? With Whitney. He he yeah he was in there. You know uh, he he would be up in a class with him. Uh, Steve Borland and I took him to Panther, uh, not Panther. We went to Twin Oaks one day, and I'm telling you, it was 35 mile 35 mile an hour wind. That trees was just whipping, and it was cloudy and cold. And I knew we were not gonna kill many squirrels, and I was really gonna be surprised if we treat any. And old, old Flip got hooked, and uh, we got in there to him, and the big old water oak, and that tree was just rocking. And way up at the tip top, I told old Steve, I said, I see a cat squirrel sitting up there, and he said, you kidding? I said, no, I see him. And I'd had to wait for the wind to die down to even shoot him with a shotgun and, and rolled him out of there. But he, you know, I was surprised that a dog could wind a squirrel like that that high up and that high of wind, you know, 35 mile an hour winds, and it just amazed me. And and I've seen it time and time again. Uh, but even old Whitney, uh, I had Whitney on competition hunts, and she would be treeing a squirrel and winding another one while she was treeing that one. Really? I've seen that happen several times. Uh, I drew out in a competition hunt over there, not too far below y'all over there one time, and treed 22 squirrels with her on a two-hour hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, and, uh, you was in a, was well, you was in a competition hunt? We was in a competition hunt, and we was in thick squirrels, too. Ooh, you should have dropped, you ought to drop a pin and let me know where that's at. <laughs> Mr. Wayne Munn, I don't know if you know Mr. Wayne Munn or not, but, uh, he was the guy, and he was actually hunting on it, and he, he withdrew his dog within the first five minutes. He said, he said, you don't need me <laughs> leave my dog in that, you know? Well, let's watch this one, tree squirrels. Yeah, uh, but she would be treeing and, and see a squirrel run across the ground while she was treeing and just be treeing and watching that one, you know? And then later on, she'd tree another one, and while she was treeing it, she'd be leaned off the tree, winded in another one, you know, while she was treeing. And some of the squirrels, she wasn't going 50 yards and retreat. Boy, we, we had a ball with her on that. But I'm a big fan of those winded dogs, as long as they act with and, and on a bad day, you're going to go to some den trees. But that's better than sitting at camp, you know. Uh, but I, I love a good winded dog. That's about all I hunt now. That's all I breed for. I, I'm not going to stand and lean up against a tree and wait for a dog to finish a track to get treated. I, I'm done. I can't do it, you know. Yeah, I ain't going to sit there and watch one uh, mud hole, nothing. And Yeah, I ain't either. I, they better get to doing something. Right. Uh, but I I quit competition hunting uh, the year Dagger won the, the World Squirrel Hunt at Jamestown, I think, in 2006. And I don't think I've even been to a competition hunt since. But like I said earlier, before that, I can tell you, I wore out three or four new pickup trucks going to them. And uh, we hauled and hauled serious. And uh, back in that days, to get dog of the year with NKC, even though they were, back then, that's all the hunt they had. And to get that dog of the year, buddy, you had to haul. You couldn't hunt the local hunts and, and, and went dog of the year with them back then because uh, they had those boys up north that was hunting somewhere every weekend, you know. Uh, so Whitney, she wound up winning uh, NKC, National Current Prize, and American Squirrel Hunters Association dog of the year. Uh, Dixie won the American Squirrel Hunters Association dog of the year. And let's see, I have James Menzer. Uh, he took a litter mate to old Dixie called the Hardwood Rattler. And, uh, right, I've heard of Rattler. Yeah, Rattler was a nice dog. He was a blue runner dog. He was a nice dog. Um, James done a good job with him, finished him out to a real nice dog, won some big hunts with him. Uh, but that, that all that was a good stock of dogs right there. And uh, they got to cut this timber, like I said earlier, and I didn't have places to start dogs anymore. And, uh, I kind of let that blood slip away from me. And uh, I'm down to just a few dogs now and, and pleasure hunting and enjoying myself. And uh, I'm going to come around some of y'all's hunts and stuff, though, because... Uh, I keep up with them. I keep up with the bloodlines and the people that don't know winning, and I'm still very much interested in it. Uh, uh, the OMCBA, uh, Mark Morrison and I and several others, uh, we tried our best to get them to pass the, the DNA and try to keep these dogs. I'm not going to say pure because they probably never were pure, but at least we knew 
when we bred a dog, what we was breeding and what it was off of. And uh, nowadays, when you breed one, it's just a guess at what you breed. You are exactly right. And you, you know, just can't hardly line breed them and, uh -uh. and stuff anymore because you don't have no idea what you're breeding to. That's so. right. And that was the whole thing. And I think that, you know, there's, like you said, mixed emotions about the whole MCBA. And there's always going to be some controversy and stuff. But that is the sole reason why me personally i deal with the nsd and the usdc but you know they did implement the dna and you do know exactly what you're going what your puppies out of at least you know what i mean right exactly so, so everything i got is you know dna through the nsd uh but again like i said this is the, you know i'm not throwing shade at all toward omcba or anything because right. i think without that there is no original mountain curb breeders association you know because you know that you're not go nine times out of ten when you buy you know if you raise a litter of puppies and they don't i mean you'll be stuck with all of them if they ain't got omcba papers on them you know what i mean i and i hate it for the new people that's getting in and stuff you know they they, they get their first mountain cur and they got their papers and they all excited and stuff but they don't have a clue what that dog really off of anymore you know uh, used to everybody was trying to keep it honest and when get dishonest we try to get that dna and passed and uh it just didn't work out and i'm, I'm really disappointed that it didn't uh so best thing you can do now is, is get you a dog and start your own family line of dogs and, and try to stick with them that's right that's how you go know exactly what you got for sure for sure what uh well like i said before we get off here i'd like to you know i wanted to ask you a couple more questions what about so as far as what is the best dog that you've ever seen go that was not your dog? What was your favorite dog that you enjoyed? Because I know you've been with a bunch of them, and you know what, what what's a what's a good dog that was not your dog that uh you thought a lot of? Whew, that's a hard question. I've been with a lot of good ones over the years. Some of them had good days, and you know, uh, I like the old jukebox dog. A lot of people didn't have much to say about the old jukebox, but I'm gonna tell you what, that's song going was tough. Uh, when when I draw him with brought him with Whitney and, and, and beat him. Uh, it was kind of a, a handler deal. Gary Deaton was handling a dog, and somebody had told me, and they said, Danny, don't let old Gary hunt fence rolls. If he hunts fence rolls, he's tough. But if you just make him drop that dog for, for a two-hour cast and walk hunt, he said, the dog can definitely be beat, you know? And and that's what we did. We we dropped in a patch, and uh, old Jubox still treats the squirrels, but uh, he, he was outgunned. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what, it, and he done got some age on him by then, but uh, he was a good dog. He really was. Uh, Mount Jackson was a good dog. Let me see. In coon hunting, Mr. Harold Jackson was an old-timer up in Arkansas. He had an old dog called Elvira. Elvira won all kind of coon hunts and stuff, and uh, she, was, she was a coon dog. She really was. I enjoyed her. But it's been several good ones, you know, and, and several different breeds, and, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed going with a lot of different dogs. Uh, I actually got to hunt with old Thunder, and I wanted to clear this up, too, because I heard Mark talking about some of his friends had told him that Thunder wasn't really out of old Smith Creek uh, Jr. And yeah, Mark what was the us. deal with that? I've never heard that, but what he, was what was he, he talking? Was it just some, about some of his buddies I, being being just buttholes or just being his buddies? I don't know. That's really the first time I heard that, but, it, but I can, I'm here to clear this up. He is definitely out of Smith Creek Jr. and, and Georgetta. Uh, Rick Stretch's dad, Bud Stretch, that I was speaking to of a few minutes ago, he went to John Groves and picked that pup out. And he's the one that started that pup and sold him to Kenny Smith, and Kenny Smith sold him to Allen Dahl. He He's definitely out of Smith Street, JR, and Georgetta. You know, I just wanted to clear that up. And I actually got to hunt with him when he was a pup, and uh, he was a nice dog. Kenny Smith had done a good job with him. He's a nice dog. He really was. Right. He was, uh, he was the real deal, too, huh? Did you hunt with? Did you get to hunt with Apache and stuff? Yeah, I hunted with Apache. Mark and I used to hunt together quite a bit. Uh, he'd been to Giles Island with us several times, and uh, I did. And uh, I'm gonna tell you, I, I coon hunted with him, and I was really impressed with. Him. I really was. Uh, and I liked the old Apache too, dog at nighttime. I had wound up buying the uh, little dog that won the World Coon Hunt at Jamestown, a uh, little hardwood rowdy dog, and I hunted him with Mark with, with old two. Uh, one night, maybe two nights together, and I'm gonna tell you, two, two put some coons on old Rowdy. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. All right. Well, let's try this again. It, for some reason, you got me. Yes, sir. It clicked off again. I don't know what this crazy thing is. 
cell phones, I reckon. But uh, but yeah. So you you uh, so you hunted with Apache and a two, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They, they what? Good, good. What uh? I'm trying to think if there was something else I needed to ask you before, because I like to. And this again, this ain't gonna be the last time I call you. This is just kind of giving people, you know, some content that they, you know, they 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 had mentioned you and you know Ronnie Polschek. Yeah. He's a he's a buddy of mine that uh that that competition hunted with me, and um he said you ought to get Mr. Danny on. You ought to get Mr. Danny on. You know Ronnie? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they they had both said something about getting you uh getting you on here he hunted that little jip i think he bred his little penny jip that passed away to uh little flip didn't he he did he did she and, was a uh, nice little old dog um I, I do a lot of i hunt with lee and lee langley and brandon lowry and i you know i've hunted with a lot of them gator dogs and uh they treat some right uh yeah but uh i got to hunting some uh paul bean dogs mm -hmm. uh, i actually bought a uh High speed kitty from you? Yeah, and I hunted with that little, you know, you know, Rylan Kennedy. The Kennedys bought her, and uh, yep. man, when Rylan was young, well, he's still young, but when Rylan, man, he would flat hunt that heifer, and she would, man, she to be, he hunted her up until she was ten or eleven years old, and look, let me tell you, she didn't have no backup then. He right. would flat get through the country. She'd get out of pocket if she, you know, if something wasn't happening. She, you know, but Rylan kept going to her. You know what I mean? He, she was good to Rylan. Uh, I bought the horse dog from Paul. I think that what's the guy's name? Timber, Timber Creek. Bob, Bob Osborne. Yeah, Bob Osborne. Him, he was a nice dog. Uh, the little dotty female that I mentioned earlier that David Fletcher them hunting right now. Uh, I bought her from Paul, and uh, I bred a couple females. I bred. Uh, uh, high speed kitty to flip, and I bred my gypsy female, which is uh, little flip's mama. And oh, Ronnie, that you were talking about, we sent those two pups up there to Paul to start, and Paul started them. And uh, I bought them back from Paul, and that's the two male dogs that I got right now. One's out of kitty and flip, and, and one's out of gypsy and flip. And I, I, I like them both, I really do. Uh, that Paul, they, that Paul Beam, they tell me he can start a pup, he can, and he's a <laughs> He's honest as the day is long. That's right. I bought Kitty over the phone, and I'm not ashamed to tell anybody. I paid $10,000 for her and didn't even try her. Right. I met Paul at the Waffle House, paid him, and drove home with her, and she was everything that Paul said <laughs> and saw. Well, hey, that's how it's going to be. I've bought, I bought dogs just like that off of, you know, off of them fellas' word for sure. And, and, and for the most part, I've been, you know, obviously I've been, we've all been hoodooed by something before, but... But for the most part, my my dog buying experience, especially something that's over two or three thousand dollars, you know, has been pleasant, you know. Right. But and, uh, uh, I wanted to mention something else too for for people that's listening. Absolutely. We, we supposed to do a video series this year, uh, for hunting on mules, and uh, the guy that's doing it, uh, don't want me to release a whole lot of information yet, but he's doing a legends series and. Uh, so we're going to be shooting a video on Four Hunt with Mule for that, and we also will be shooting a television show this winter, Four Hunt on Mule. Shoot. And that's something else I'm an advocate of. Uh, I, and then I want everybody to, to try to get up a hunt on these mules and stuff. And it's kind of a, a heritage thing that, that's slipping away from us. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm a firm believer in those mules, and we raise them and enjoy them and have a good time with them. And, uh, man, look, that's the way to hunt. I wish we could competition hunt on them. <laughs> I might have to come out of retirement. I heard that. I tell you what, whenever y'all get all that settled up and settled down and uh, get everything, all the kinks worked out of it, let us know, and we'll be more than happy to uh, advertise some stuff uh, for you guys and uh, for for y'all's little deal. And, um, heck, if, if, we, if we need to, I'll meet y'all. I'm in Mississippi if I need to meet y'all somewhere and, you know, do some kind of interviews. Uh, live interviews, you know, I don't, you know, if, as long as I can schedule it, I, you know, we'll, I'll do whatever I can to help get y'all stuff off the ground and going. We appreciate it and definitely keep you in mind and, uh, yeah, we, we would like to do that. So Absolutely. We'll, we'll get... Whatever I need to, uh, whatever I need to do to help you guys out. Well, uh, you got anything else you, you'd like to add? Let's, this is your time to shine. No, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I'm just, like I said, I'm blessed. Good Lord has provided me a good life to where I've actually been able to 
get out and enjoy these full dogs and mules and people. Uh, I'm really thankful for that. And uh, anybody wants to come make the hunt with me, give me a phone call or stop by the camp, and we can make it happen. Well, we have been blessed by the good Lord, I tell you. It's amazing. We, I don't deserve half of this junk I got. And heck, ain't it? Whew. A blessing to be blessed by the good Lord. Well, Mr. Danny, if you ain't, come on, come on, come on. Mr. Jesse Thompson, uh, guy here in South Louisiana, one of his old sayings was, if the lead don't fly, the meat don't fry. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's we like. <laughs> uh, hey, that's right. You can't kill him if you ain't shooting. No, sir, that's right. That's right. And uh, I, I got, like I said, I got some buddies that, that live and die by that old Lee Langley and them. They'll shoot for sure, boy. Whew, they have Papa Cap. Yep. But uh, anyway, well, shoot, if you ain't got nothing else, I'm going to get off of here. And again, like I was telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in touch. And uh, if y'all need something out of us and uh, some kind of advertisement or whatnot, we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do to help get y'all stuff going because at the end of the day, this is what it's about. Yes, sir, and we appreciate the opportunity, and uh, y'all take care and come make a hunt with us. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate your time there, Mr. Danny, and uh, we'll be in touch. How about that? Thank you. Take care. All right, brother. Be blessed. Take care. Bye-bye.